is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well... We're leading tonight with this horrific mass murder that took place in this tiny little town in Texas. In this tiny little First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. By another barbarian. Who, uh, who, didn't, who was an atheist, who used to get into fights with people of faith and Christians and social media... Uh, that does not appear to be the basis for his massive killing spree. A family fight seems to be the basis. He's a very violent man. Also, there were two other men. One, a plumber. His daughter tells him she's hearing shots and commotion going on at the church across the street. And he takes his rifle, and he runs outside, and he confronts the mass murder. And reports tell us that they exchange gunfire. The plumber, who I understand is also an NRA trainer, or instructor, shot the killer, who was dressed in black, wearing a black hood, as they report, and uh, shot him, even though he was wearing armor, in the part of his body that was exposed between pieces of armor. And uh, the mass murderer apparently wasn't supposed to have a weapon. He lied when he applied for the weapon. He lied on the form. We don't really know what took place in that church. And the regional director of State Department of uh, Public Safety for Texas, who is really quite good in what he, the information he's conveying to the American people, Freeman Martin, uh, he is unable to tell us, or he won't tell us right now, and neither will the sheriff. I suspect this mass murder, slowly but surely, executed these people. I suspect he walked up to one after another after another. Do you realize he shot over 50 people? He shot over 50 people. 27 now of whom are dead. Several are in critical condition. He shot a baby who was 18 months old, and he shot a man who was 77 years old. He also murdered his wife's grandmother, who was attending church. And it was his wife's church, or his wife's mother's church, his mother-in-law's church. So he murdered the, uh, the grandmother-in-law. And this mass murder, this, this barbarian, he was uh, thrown out of the Air Force. Because he's been married twice. He's apparently beat his first wife and beat his baby. 
his little child uh, and fractured the skull. Fractured the skull. And stories are coming out now about how bizarre the guy was. So he was court-martialed in 2012 on two charges of assaulting his first spouse and the child. He was confined for a year, given a bad uh, conduct discharge, and reduced in rank to E1, or Airman Basic. And his first wife divorced him in 2012 in New Mexico. And he remarried in 2014 in Texas. And what authorities are telling us is there was a domestic situation between him and his in-laws. And it's likely that this uh, this is what pushed him over the edge, although it doesn't take much to push this nut over the edge. That's quite clear. And they've talked to some of the ex-girlfriends, or they've come forward. Brittany Adcock, 22, said she dated Kelly for two months when she was 13 and he was 18. She said she broke it off, but he continued to harass him. Um, they searched criminal records in the county where Kelly lived, the barbarian. Only minor violations, driving with an expired registration, speeding, failure to stop at a stop sign, driving without insurance. But in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in 2014, where he was living at the time, he was arrested on animal cruelty. He was chasing the dog to trailer park and attacking the animal when he caught it. Quote, the suspect then started beating on the dog with both fists, punching it in the head and chest. He could hear the suspect yelling at the dog, and while he was striking it, the dog was yelping and whining. The suspect then picked up the dog by the neck, uh, threw it into the air, and then threw it on the ground, and then drug him away to lot 60. You know, it's often said, and I agree with this, the way you treat animals will determine how you treat human beings. The way you treat animals will determine how you treat human beings. And I really believe that. So, uh, you know, I've got clip after clip here. The gun control crowd, they just come out of the woodwork. It's just so completely appalling that we got to get into these debates every minute. I mean, I will, I will get into it in a moment, but... Scheduled for the bottom of the hour is the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who's been asked about gun control, gun control, gun control. And, of course, virtually the first thing out of Obama's mouth, or really tweeting and the rest, was about gun control. Think about this situation. If there had been strict gun control, this killer would have killed more people. He would have killed more people. Strict gun control wouldn't have stopped this killer, but he would have killed more people because the plumber would not have had a weapon with which to shoot him. I'm just beginning the story. I'll fill in the, the, the blanks in a moment. He comes out of his house and he shoots this, the, uh, the perp. The mass murderer jumps in his car and starts driving away. The plumber stops another gentleman who's 27, real cowboy, 
They hop into the vehicle and they chase the killer 95 miles an hour through traffic. Pretty brave men. And this is what distinguishes Americans from Europeans and distinguishes Americans from all the others. When the left says, the Europeans do this and the Europeans do that, but we don't. We're Americans. We're Americans. We have different experiences, different backgrounds, a different mindset. At least most of us. So the mass murder, the barbarian, the subhuman, he, uh, he fails to make a turn. He goes into a ditch, pretty much. And uh, he's followed by the two heroes. And the plumber, who's 55, takes his rifle out, puts it on the hood of the, car, uh, the vehicle, aims it at the killer's car, and shouts for him to get out. But there's no movement. And the reason is, according to news reports, the mass murderer committed suicide. He shot himself in the head. This tiny little town, little farming town, this tiny little church. And this piece of crap goes in there because he's having a fight with his in-laws. And he goes in there and he executes his grandmother-in-law. And he executes at least a score, more than a score of other people. And some of them, as I speak, are fighting for their lives right now. Right now. I'll be right back. Stephen Williford is the hero, and he says, he's been interviewed now, he says, I'm no hero. Stephen Williford, credited with shooting and injuring the Texas church gunman. Williford's daughter told him she saw a man clad in black opening fire at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, from the New York Daily News, prompting him to grab his rifle and investigate the shots. Every time I heard a shot, I knew that probably represented a life, he told KHBS-TV. I was scared to death. I was scared for me. I was scared for every one of them, and I was scared for my own family that just lived less, less than a block away. I'm no hero. I think my Lord protected me and gave me the skills to do what needed to be done. And I wish I could have gotten there faster, but I didn't know what was happening. The former NRA instructor. Oh, I'm sure we're going to hear this all over the news, huh? Here's a former NRA instructor, a plumber, a hero who came to the rescue. Loaded his rifle, rushed out of his home barefoot to the church across the street where he encountered the suspect, Devin Kelly, 26. They exchanged gunfire. Williford told KHSB he shot Kelly several times as the gunman fled the church in his vehicle. Eventually came across Johnny Langendorf, who was driving a pickup truck, and told him, that guy just shot up the Baptist church, we need to stop him. The 27-year-old Langendorf told the AP he was driving to Sutherland Springs, Texas, to pick up his girlfriend when a barefooted man who had been exchanging gunfire with the suspected church shooter jumped into his truck. The gentleman with the rifle came to my truck as the shooter took off, and he briefed me quickly on what just happened and said he had to get him. So that's what I did. Langendorf and Williford then chased after Kelly, who authorities say opened fire with an assault-type rifle at the churchgoers 
after 11 a.m., killing at least 26, now 27. He killed at least a dozen children. Do you know that, Mr. Producer? A dozen children? And wounding more than 20 others. We just take pursuit. We speed over Highway 87 through traffic. We hit about 95 down Farm Road, 539, trying to catch this guy until he eventually lost control on his own and went off in the ditch, Langendorf recalled. He just gave up. He went off in the ditch, hit a hay bale from what I could see, and then he just never moved after that. He didn't get out, didn't try anything. That's because he'd been shot. And then he put an end to it himself, apparently. Langendorf said he was on the phone with a 9-11 dispatcher throughout the chase, and police arrived shortly to the scene where Kelly had crashed his car. The gentleman that was with me got out, rested his rifle on my hood, and kept it aimed at him, telling him to get out, get out, Langendorf said, according to the Dallas Morning News. There was no movement. Now, how did he get the gun? He had a domestic violence conviction. Offense in the military. Well, now we know. Alexandra Samuels of the Texas Tribune posted the following hat tip right scoop, Brian. The Air Force has launched a review of how the service handled the criminal records of former Airman Devin P. Kelly following the 2012 domestic violence conviction. Kelly was convicted by a general court martial on two charges of domestic assault against his wife and stepson under Article 128 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. He then served 12 months in confinement at Naval Consolidated Brink, Mimar in California, before being released. I'm reading font that's so tiny I can barely see it. With a bad conduct discharge in 2014. He was also reduced in grade to E1. Federal law prohibited him from buying or possessing firearms after this conviction. Got that? And we've talked about that, too. Initial information, here we go, indicates that Kelly's domestic violence offense was not entered into the National Criminal Information Center database by the Holloman Air Force Base Office of Special Investigations. Air Force Secretary Heather Wilson and Air Force Chief of Staff General David Goldfein directed the Air Force Inspector General in collaboration with the Defense Department Inspector General to conduct a complete review of the Kelly case and relevant policies and procedures. Service will also conduct a comprehensive review of Air Force databases to ensure records in other cases have been reported correctly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when they did the background check, not only had the mass murderer lied on his form, did not check the fact that he'd been convicted of anything, but when they checked it in the NICS database, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Because the Air Force Base Office of Special Investigation didn't report it. Didn't report it properly, at least. I just thought you'd want to know. This is uh, fresh off the uh, hopper. Alexa, Alex, I'm sorry, Alexandra Samuels uh, with the Texas Tribune. I've not seen this anywhere else. I hope it's accurate. Well, I, I hope it's accurate because I'm reporting it to you. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Now, I've been monitoring 
the uh, media coverage of what's been taking place here. And while the Democrats jumped out immediately on gun control, they haven't mentioned that the plumber who loaded his rifle ran out of the house in bare feet and shot the mass murder several times apparently had been an NRA instructor. Had been an NRA instructor. There is no law that could have been passed to fix this situation. If the information is not entered into the database, what are you going to do, pass a law to insist on it? And if the mass murder, before becoming a mass murder, lies on his form... What are you going to do, pass a law that says you can't lie on your form? And so we'll get the usual chest beating and propaganda and the politics and all the rest. But there's 27 people dead today, and many of them are children. And they haven't told us how this went down in that church. And I fear the way it went down is this man just started assassinating one person after another. I'm guessing, surmising, and the terror that must have taken place in that church is really unimaginable. Unimaginable. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, a proud conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. Governor Greg Abbott, Texas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing very well. But um, you know, I'm I'm following what took place in this uh, tiny little town of Texas here, Sutherland Springs, in this tiny little church. And um, authorities aren't telling us what took place in that church, but it must have been absolutely horrific. I'm not asking you to tell me something that you're not allowed to tell me. But do you know what took place in that church? Well, we do, and I think the public knows what happened, and that is that uh, a, a person who was completely deranged uh, went in there and uh, unloaded an AR uh, and killed a whole bunch of people. Uh, and it was a small church, uh, and it was completely devastating, uh, and it's been a big challenge for this very small community uh, of less than 500 people. But in going there and hugging them and meeting with them and talking to them, i got to tell you, these are people of strong resilience. And in typical Texas fashion, these people are, are coming together, uniting uh, as a community. And and they're going to work their way through this. But i got to tell you, Mark, this should never have happened. I don't know if you've seen the breaking news. No, yes, but, yes, they didn't they didn't report it to the NICS database. Right. And, and, and so this is a person who never should have had a gun. Uh, as, as you may have known earlier, uh, in, in Texas, uh, he was denied the ability uh, to get a handgun license, uh, and he should have been denied the ability to buy this gun had the information been reported as it is required by law. So some people say, you know, gosh, we need more laws. The fact of the matter is we need our laws that are on the books right now to be complied with and to be enforced. You know, Governor, the reason I started off with this question, because when I was watching the coverage, one of the local law enforcement gentlemen, maybe the sheriff, he said, I do not want to describe what took place in that church. So, you know, I'm starting to wonder if this guy was so deranged that he was 
not just shooting, but actually executing people. You have a whole bunch of little kids who were killed by this man. Well, and that's what happened, and I will not go into the detail, uh, but uh, as you kind of laid it out, uh, it, it was uh, in a complete deranged way. Uh, he wasn't shooting widely. He was shooting to cause damage, and he God. did cause damage. Unbelievable. And um, I'll bet throughout the day you've been asked about gun control, gun control, gun control, haven't you? Well, of course, it's something that always arises here, uh, but as the facts have been revealed over the course of the day, uh, I think those talking points uh, have been weakened by the fact of the matter that uh, all the gun control laws that are needed uh, that could have contained this shooting are on the books already. Uh, What we need is compliance with the law. And had the laws been complied with here, this probably would not have happened. The reason why I say probably, Mark, is because of something that you know well, uh, and that is that, listen, if if someone is willing to break the law to kill someone, then that person likely is willing to break the law to get a gun illegally. And so we can outlaw guns all we want. It doesn't mean that a criminal is not going to get their hands on a gun. And yet we have a plumber who came out of his house in his bare feet, a former NRA instructor. And he confronted this man, and he owned a a rifle legally, and he shot him. And there's very little, I mean, there's talk about the hero and so forth, very little talk about the NRA today. Have you noticed that? Exactly. He is a Texas hero, and, and it's the quintessential example of a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. And that's exactly what happened here. The good guy with the gun... The neighbor who pulled out his gun and single-handedly tried to take on this guy, single-handedly disarmed him by shooting him, forcing him to drop his gun. Yeah, I'll tell you, but uh, it's 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 awfully it's it's. Let me ask you a question. I mean, I I, I haven't googled it. Is what major town is this little town near, if any? San Antonio. It's about 30 miles to the east of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you take I-10 due east, uh, and then about uh, 10 to 15 miles south of there, mm-hmm. is, is beyond the suburbs of San Antonio. It's, it's a small little town of about 400 people, and about 50 of them were shot. Right, and 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 let me tell you, uh, everybody in that town was either related or every, everybody in that town knew uh, someone who was shot. Uh, I was there last night uh, speaking to the victims and uh, their families uh, in a community center and then doing a candlelight vigil, and uh, there was not a person in town uh, who was not affected personally in some very deep way. You know, Governor, I have to give credit your uh, your regional director of public safety. I believe his name is Freeman Martin, has been doing an outstanding job communicating with the American people. Well, we have top-notch law enforcement officers, and uh, this is a team effort. We got uh, the federal, the state, and the local law enforcement officials all working together, uh, and that's what allowed us to get on the crime scene uh, and begin to go sift through all the information and to provide the information to the public. You know, the the public has been clamoring for this information, and uh, slowly but surely uh, the information has gotten out as to why the shooting took place, why it took place at a church, uh, and how this guy got a hold of guns, et cetera. And so, uh, by the, by, uh, in, in short order, uh, pretty much all questions uh, to this crime are going to be answered. Well, Governor, I want to thank you. For, I know you're busy for uh, giving us a little bit of your time. It's much appreciated. 
Well, my pleasure, Mark. Always great to visit with you. You too. God bless all the people there, I tell you. So the breaking news, which we, uh, which we reported actually, what, 10 or 15 minutes ago, thanks to my buddy Brian at Right Scoop, giving me the right scoop. But the Texas Tribune reporter, Alexandra Samuels, the Air Force has launched a review of how the service handled the criminal records of former Airman Devin Kelly following the 2012 domestic violence conviction. The reason they're doing that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is because the Special Investigation Unit on Holman uh, Air Force Base uh, apparently did not report the conviction uh, to the uh, national database, the NICS database. So nobody would have known, no gun, no, uh, no gun shop or anybody else uh, would have known that uh, he was prohibited as a matter of law from uh, purchasing a weapon. You also heard the governor say that in Texas he was prohibited from carrying a weapon, from concealed carrying. So he violated state law, and even on his, his federal form, which you submit and they check the NICS database, he lied on his federal form too. So this, this isn't a matter of gun control. This, this is a horrible, horrible mass murder that took place. It's just horrendous. There are evil people who do evil things. And not just in our country. In fact, most other countries. And in many cases, worse. Historically, even, many cases, worse. That's just a terrible thing. You know, John Lott is called on on occasions like this because the guy's like the rain man with statistics. And unfortunately, given the, the barrage of propaganda and mythology that is thrown at us and people like us, um, you've got to address it. And as he wrote on his Fox post, before knowing almost anything about yesterday's mass public shooting, gun control advocates are once again calling for more gun control. The attack at the First Baptist Church in tiny Sutherland Springs, Texas, killed 27. People want to do something, quote-unquote. One thing is certain, the proposals put forward by gun control advocates wouldn't have stopped this attack. We know that for sure, because his name was not entered into the database. But what they ignored, Lot writes before even knowing that, was what stopped the killer was a good guy with a gun. As one witness said, without the good guy with a gun, it would have been much worse. If more people were carrying guns, the attack might have been stopped even faster and more lives would have been saved. And I dare say, even within the church, if somebody had had a gun, or clearly within the church. Democratic Senators Dick Durbin, Richard Blumenthal, Bob Casey, Dianne Feinstein, Kamala Harris, all immediately made statements where various versions of Congress must act. The media spent all day after the attack rhetorically asking whether or not was, now was the time for more gun control. CNN's Jim Acosta, who is a reprobate in my view, repeatedly asked if President Trump is content with these mass shootings exploding every month or so. Can you imagine? The media spent all day doing this. We still can only speculate about killer Devin Kelly's motives. Remember, he wrote this earlier today. The media waited even a few hours. They would have learned that their calls for regulations, primary for universal background checks, 
wouldn't have stopped this attack. Indeed, their proposals wouldn't have stopped any of the other mass public shootings in the last couple of decades. Kelly bought a gun at a gun store, and he passed the background check that the store conducted on him. And he passed it because his name wasn't entered into the system by the Special Investigation Unit of the Holman Air Force Base. Others on MSNBC immediately called for limiting magazine capacities. But a magazine is just a box with a spring in it. They can be made with very simple tools, and nowadays 3D printers make it an even easier project. We still don't know if Kelly planned this attack long in advance, though he bought the gun back in April 2016 and so forth. Well, this is what we're up against. Elliot Roger, who killed six and injured 14 others near the University of California at Santa Barbara, fooled not only the sheriff's deputies, but also the internationally uh, known Dr. Charles Sophie. Sophie is medical director for the L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services. That ought to give some people pause before they assume that there's an easy solution for identifying you know, dangerous individuals. He's talking about people with mental health problems. It's not so simple. But we do know that the attack at the Texas church could have been even worse if it wasn't for an armed civilian. A local resident who grabbed his rifle, ran outside in his bare feet, and shot the suspect. Something should be done, but the question is what? Texas lets each church decide whether to allow permitted concealed handguns. We don't know whether this particular church allowed it. What we do know is that time is crucial. The longer it takes for someone to arrive at the scene with a gun, the more people will be harmed. If the media and politicians want to do something effective, they should take a page out of Israel's playbook. When there's a surge in terrorist attacks, Israeli police call on permitted civilians to make sure that they have their guns with them at all times. And police tend to support an increase in permits. What would help most in preventing large-scale shootings in public, police one asked, it's 450,000 American officer members in 2013. The most common answer, more permissive concealed carry policies for civilians. 80% of the surveyed officers believe that allowing permitted concealed handguns would reduce the number of victims of mass public shootings. But you wouldn't know that if you watch 99.9% of the media and listen to the phony experts. You wouldn't know it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Next hour, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue discussing this, but I want to add another issue, and that is this absolute disgrace of a tax proposal coming out of the House of Representatives. <clears throat> I just want you to know in advance that uh, I said I was was 85% good, 15% bad, but that 15% is really bad. And as I said at the end of last week, actually it's the opposite. The more I learned about this, the more it was 15% good and 85% bad and it needs to be killed. And I'm sorry for the president. I really am. I know he wants a win. I know they feel they need a win. But this is a big loser for the American people. It is a disaster. It's a disaster. The class warfare aspects and all the rest. And I've been hammering on this now for three days, the end of last week, and I'm going to do it again today. But there's more information you need to know about. 
You know, guys, especially some of the young professionals out there, it's important to look and dress professionally at work. The people around you take notice. This is why you've got to get the shirt. Check out the shirts from Charles Tirrett. Every man's closet needs well-fitted clothes for work or going out. So what are the options? On one end, you have high-quality shirts, but they're ridiculously overpriced. The other end, you've got affordable shirts, but they look ridiculous. They're out of style. They don't fit right. CT shirts are the best shirts in my closet. Matter of fact, I have them in two closets. I'm in a closet in Virginia and in a closet in Florida. They're the most exquisitely crafted, crease-free shirts. They're British-styled, and they use the softest fabrics, and that's important to me. Tie or no tie, tucked or untucked, you'll look great in a CT shirt. Check out this deal I got for you. One CT shirt normally costs 100 bucks, but right now, you'll get three shirts for just $99. That's 60% off. You can get that for a birthday. You can get it for an anniversary. You can get it for the holidays. Ladies, I'm telling you, your guys are going to love this. And CT shirts come with free delivery a six-month quality guarantee, and free returns. You believe that? Free delivery, a six-month quality guarantee, and free returns. Ninety-nine bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts, but you need to hurry. Go to ctshirts.com slash Levin. ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ctshirts.com slash Levin. I'm telling you. You know, I typically wear T-shirts and that sort of thing, or... Sports shirts, but more and more, these CT shirts are really unbelievable. That's why I wanted to have some in both our locations, and I do now. And I know you're going to love them, too. You can get three. It's a great price. Dave, West Plains, Missouri, Sirius Satellite, go. I got a question for you. Do you think charges should be filed against the two heroes for conducting a, a high-speed chase through traffic, endangering people's lives. Is this a joke call? No, I'm serious. Police officers have killed many people during high-speed chases. But these men did not. But but they could have, though. So let me get this straight. If I, I take it you're a liberal, right? No, I'm let, a very let, conservative. Oh, you're very, but you're a little demented. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. Some guy goes into a church and blows away the parishioners, including little kids. He's confronted outside the church by this this gentleman, this plumber, a neighbor, and he's shot. He jumps into a car to speed away, and he can kill a lot more people as far as they know. He hails another another hero down. They jump into his car, well, into his pickup truck, and they chase him down to make sure he's done. And you want to know if they're going to be charged with a crime. Is that correct? Uh, 95 through traffic endangers people's lives. Uh, no, they didn't endanger anybody's life. They put that guy down and they save lives. And you know what? I feel sorry for you. You want to know why? You're an idiot. Now get off my phone. Call some liberal and don't pretend you're Mr. Conservative. That guy deserves a show on MSNBC. Matter of fact, I uh, propose him to replace the morning schmo. I really do. Another putz. Let's continue, shall we? Bruce, Monument, Colorado, Sirius Satellite, go. Oh, Mark, what a pleasure to talk to you. That's a tough call to follow. What a moron. Um, It sure is. I'm sorry about that. Hey, two points. Um, I do have my federal firearms license. Um, uh, The Form 4473, Mm -hmm. 
is the form you have to fill out to purchase a, a firearm. One of the questions on there is, which is this I have filled it out many times. It, Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Um, one of the questions is, have you been dishonorably discharged from the uh, service? Mm-hmm. That's another question that's on that form that apparently has been. He missed. lied. So we had two. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the other point that I'd like to make is that. 30 seconds. Had, I'm sorry. 30, 20 seconds. Uh, the other point is that when somebody fills out one of those forms yep. and they lie on it, mm-hmm. there's never any repercussion. You sign you sign that under perjury. Yeah, it's a felony. Should be a repercussion. But thank you for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Yeah, law enforcement pointing out that, in fact, they did everything. Uh, All the gun checks were done to determine whether uh, the mass killer had a right to have a weapon and so forth. They were asked about the Air Force, and they said, you'll have to ask the Air Force. Well, the Air Force has already uh, explained that uh, somebody dropped the ball. Since I only have three hours here, some days I feel like I need a lot more time. I want to get into another matter. We can keep talking about these various things. I really want you folks to understand that this so-called tax cut bill is not a tax cut bill. They're rearranging the decks on the Titanic. And they're doing it in ways that it's going to hurt a lot of people. And you just don't know it yet. As a matter of fact, I pulled up the propaganda from the House Waynes and Means Committee, this Congressman Brady's uh, committee, and all I'll tell you is all the rate cuts they're going to have and so forth and so on. But there's nothing there about a new tax bracket. There's nothing there about capping property tax uh, deductions or state income tax deductions. There was nothing there about um, at least an original idea to get rid of the house saving accounts. Maybe they'll put that back. But, but look, at the mindset is all wrong on this. They're lowering rates for some people. While they're taking certain of their deductions away, student loan interest, for instance, that's been on the table. I don't know if it's still on the table or not. And the reason they're doing this, ladies and gentlemen, is twofold. Number one, they want to slash the corporate income tax rate from 35 to 20%. I'm all for that. But then they say they have to make up the revenue. They're never going to make up the revenue. You want to know why? It's not about taxing. It's about spending. They're out of control. Paul Ryan is a fake. Paul Ryan spoke to me a few months ago. I told you about this. He spoke to me a few months ago, or at least I suggested it. And I won't talk to him anymore. I said to him, I'm I'm concerned about two things. More and more people paying no income taxes, because that means they're going to keep voting for liberals and keep trying to get goodies from their fellow citizens. 
I said, the other thing is, there's this talk about another bracket. He said, look, I can assure you, listen to this. He said to me, I can assure you that if there's another bracket, we're talking about a bracket under 39.6%. So in other words, there'd be a 39.6%, maybe a 36%, maybe a 35 but nothing above 39.6%. And now we're talking about 45.6%. And when you add in the sale of a home, a 3.8% Obamacare tax, you're talking about 50% under Republicans. They should just slash taxes across the board. Slash taxes across, tax rates across the board, but that's not what they're doing. Here is the, believe it or not, the Wall Street Journal editorial page. I'm actually going to read from it. The circle nerds have it right. And by the way, we can call Paul Ryan. He's the new class warfare warrior because I saw him on one of these Sunday shows or we played the clip. I listened to it internally. Sounds just like Nancy Pelosi, just like Bernie Sanders. Don't worry about the rich. The rich, no more loopholes for the, a loophole. What loopholes is he, are he talking about? What loopholes? What is he talking about? No, no, no. The rich this and the rich that and the rich this. I'm going, man, this guy has really lost it. He has lost it. He has sold out. Nobody defends capitalism anymore. Nobody defends wealth creation. Nobody defense, hard work, and success. It's all redistribution of wealth. Since the vast majority of taxes are paid by the top 50% income earners, and the vast majority of those taxes are paid by the top 5%, you're going to attack that top 5% even more? So there's less and less people who pay taxes? I don't care what your income is, folks. That is irrational. That's trouble. That's playing right into the left's hands. Here's the Wall Street Journal editorial, at least in part. You know Republicans are intellectually confused when they send out press releases defending a top marginal income tax rate of nearly 50%. That's an Obama thing, ladies and gentlemen, yet the Republicans in the House are proposing this. But that's what they're up to this weekend as they tried to justify their bubble bracket tax rate of 45.6%. They said after our criticism on Saturday, really, Wall Street Journal? We've been criticizing it since when, Mr. Producer? Thursday? We call it a stealth tax rate because it's buried in the fine print of the Ways and Means proposal. Well, you aren't the guys that found it. Some other site found it, as a matter of fact, and we certainly raised it. It also isn't part of the tax simplification story Republicans are selling by publicly claiming The House reform shrinks the individual code to four rates from seven. But caught out by our reporting, what is with these guys? You guys did not catch them. But let's let's play along. They're now denying that the fifth rate is stealthy while defending it as good policy. The 45.6% rate, remember the top rate now is 39.9%. So they're going to increase it by 20% is a bubble rate because it applies to tax-filing couples who make between $1.2 million and $1.6 million, that is, above $1 million for single filers. The surcharge is intended to claw back, even the phrase I used, any benefit these filers get from the new 12% income bracket that applies to income of less than $90,000 for couples and so forth. 
Republicans apparently think it's unfair for people to pay the same rate on the same dollar of income. What they're trying to say there is, in their own nerdy way, let's say you make a million dollars. You're taxed on the first certain amount of that money, 12%, the next certain amount, 25%, the next amount, 35%, the next amount, 396 and now the next amount, 45.6%. What these people are trying to do is claw that back if you earn over a certain amount of money. So you're whacked right on the first dollar. That's 45.6% bubble rate. Add to that the 3.8% Obamacare charge that Republicans are keeping as part of tax reform these taxpayers would now have a top marginal rate of 49.4%. That's about 50%. 50 cents on the dollar. Add state and local taxes, which would no longer be deductible against federal taxes. They say a policy we support because they're idiots. And these mostly Republican voters would in many states pay a marginal rate on the next dollar of income, close to 60% and an effective total share of income higher than they do now. And this is Republican tax policy. The Republicans are resorting to Democratic arguments that it's no big deal because these taxpayers can afford it. They're also claiming this is kosher because the 1986 Reagan reform also had a bubble rate of 33% in addition to the top rate of 28%. But a bubble rate of 33% is a lot lower than 50%, which was the top rate before Reagan's 1986 tax cuts. So Reagan cut him in 82, the top rate from 70 to 50. And then in 86, he cut it from 50 to 28%. And as they wrote at the time, they say, Reagan's bubble rate was also a mistake. It greased the skids for raising the top marginal rate to 31% from 28% as part of George H.W. Bush's tax increase in 1990. The Kevin Brady, Paul Ryan, 45.6% bubble bracket becomes law. This will soon become the new top rate for everybody. For everybody. Perhaps when Nancy Pelosi is speaker after 2018. And it goes on. So Republicans are embracing higher tax rates to redistribute money to non-taxpayers, mostly in Democratic strongholds. This is this is the Republican Party. I, I detest these people. I despise them. That's why I don't take their calls. I don't want to hear from them. Over at the Weekly Standard, boys are stepping up. Over at the Weekly Standard. A fellow by the name of Matt Labash is taking questions and answering them in the context of this so-called tax reform. Dear Matt, Republicans have called their tax bill the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. President Trump wanted to call it the Cut, 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 Cut Act. And here we thought his specialty was branding. What would you have named it? I'd be fine with calling it the Republicans pissing down your leg while telling you that you're bathing in a warm mineral spring act. Or maybe the Robbing Peter to Pay Apple Act. In this scenario, you, the lowly individual taxpayer, are Peter. The Apple Corporation is Apple. If you want balanced, even-keeled, somewhat optimistic analysis of the proposed tax bill, I'd hand you off to my ever-capable colleague, Chris Deaton. 
If you want to hear the anguished, soul-racked keening of a man whose ox was just gored, pull up a chair and sit a spell. You've come to the right place. For I am that unfortunate species that Republicans want to pretend doesn't exist. The middle-class schlub who would not feel tax relief but tax pain, even as they attempt to recut the tax pile so that corporations get a 43% tax reduction from 35 to 20%, while my top tax rate stays the same, 25%, and I lose the lion's share of my itemized deductions. And this is going to be a lot of you folks. Meaning my taxes, unlike most corporations, are going up, even as I'll be getting taxed at a higher rate than Apple, whose 2016 revenue was $215.6 billion. Or put another way, Apple's revenue alone last year amounted to 72% of the cost of all individual tax cuts in the Republicans' $1.5 trillion plan. According to the Bipartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, remember responsible budgets? Don't worry if you don't. Neither does former deficit hawk Paul Ryan. Only roughly $300 billion of the $1.5 trillion purported to tax cut is due individual taxpayers. You got that? $300 billion of the $1.5 trillion in cuts. The rest goes to business tax cuts, $1 trillion, repeal of the estate tax, $200 billion. And if you're a multinational corporation whose obscenely rich parents just died, you're in the money. Even when I abstained from voting for them, which I have for three out of the last four national elections, I am the breed of Republican who endured all manner of Republican entities. And he goes on. So he says, I patiently endured eight years of Barack Obama hiking tobacco taxes, the Medicare payroll taxes, the indoor tanning service taxes, among other things, only to emerge from the tunnel of darkness to see a unified Republican government touch the one thing Obama didn't touch, income taxes, federal income taxes. My own fall populist party is now... Many millions of others, in the name of their hilariously built tax relief plan, is going to increase my taxes. At least I think my taxes will be hiked. It's yet to be seen as details still need to be hammered out in committee and legislation needs to be passed. Republicans thus far have proven unable to pass so much as gas. Though if they did, they'd likely claim that the fake news liberal media... Oh, whatever. Plus, I have not yet run the numbers by my middle-class accountant whose services under the new bill I will no longer be able to deduct on my taxes, and who Republicans seem to want to make obsolete, thus eliminating more middle-class jobs. Better for me, Republicans would have it to file my taxes on a postcard at a higher rate, so simple and befitting our modern attention span, rather than pay some frazzled numbers cruncher a couple hundred bucks around April 15 to cut my tax burden in half by exploiting tax code deductions that actually help me keep a little more of the money I earned rather than packing it off to the federal kitty. Aside from no longer being able to deduct most of my business expenses under the sorry excuse of simple, simplification, magazine subscription, gas mileage, jumper cable, nipple clamps for difficult interview subjects. Oops, sorry, I mean to read that from him. I'm really taking a hit with the elimination of half the state and local taxes deduction, the SALT. While Trump's pet Democrats posing as Republicans. That means you, Gary Kahn and Steve Nuchin. Yep. Sorry. Flirted with rank, raking revenue with everything from 401k contributions to charitable giving. Eliminating the SALT deduction. 
that is your property taxes and so forth, seems to be their compulsory revenue extracting vehicle of choice to fund their massive corporate giveaway. And he goes on. So here we have class warfare battles going on now. But out of the $1.5 trillion, individual tax cuts amount to $300 billion. And that is a disaster because what's happening here is people who are already carrying the load for most of the taxes in this country, the federal income taxes, way out of proportion to the percentage of the, of the money they earn, are going to carry even bigger loads. They're going to carry even bigger loads. That is pretty incredible from Republicans who are going to have what is effectively, for some of our citizens, nearly a 50% federal income tax rate. Think about that. Nearly a 50% federal income tax rate. Even Barack Obama didn't accomplish that. Even Barack Obama didn't accomplish that. And everybody's going to be hit along the line here somewhere where they, they, went, they were going after 401Ks, they had to pull back. Student loan interest, I think they're still going after. They're going after the mortgage interest up to a certain amount. They're capping it at, at whatever they're capping it at. We're not even certain at this point. And, of course, property taxes and, and state income taxes. What a bunch of... Well, you can read my Facebook and see what I call these people. I think I called them bastards. I'll be right back. Lovin. James, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. You know, I have to just say hallelujah that you are actually speaking truth to power about this issue. I have run the numbers several times. I vote a Republican, but I am no longer voting for these guys. This is unbelievable. They're increasing taxes on the wealthy, on the middle class. This is just, and you have people like Tom Reed who say, you know, oh, well, I don't care if people leave New York because they have high taxes in New York. That's right, slow down. Who is Tom Reed? He's a uh, congressman from uh, further upstate New York. He's a nobody. Uh, He's a nobody, but he's a person who basically has, has, has smiled when he was, when it was suggested that people will leave New York. And I'm like, how do you, you're a New York congressperson, and what do you want? Democrats now turn Texas, Democrats in California will turn Texas uh, from red to blue, and people in New York will all flee off to Florida and turn that blue because they don't want to pay the high taxes? I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the, the goal in taxes should be to fund the legitimate activities of government. Not to screw this state or that state or these people or those people or to redistribute wealth from, from individuals to individuals, from individuals to corporations. This is exactly the wrong way to do this. And every serious constitutional conservative, fiscal conservative, traditional Reagan conservative should say no and object to this and explain why. This is a joke. This is Obama light. Maybe it's Obama, Obama heavy. But it certainly isn't a tax cut or tax reform. I'll be right back. More logic than allowed by law. 
The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. Not one penny. That's how much funding Hillstock College receives from the government. Not even indirectly in the form of student loans or grants. Not one penny. The vast majority of colleges receive around 30% of their revenue from government funding, loans, and grants. Now, that makes them dependent on the government, and taxpayers like you and me stay in business, right? In contrast, Hillsdale refuses every penny of government funding. Every penny. Why? Because money from the government comes with strings attached. Do's and don'ts, restrictions and mandates that dictate how a school operates and educates. But from the beginning in 1844, Hillsdale has provided a world-class education that upholds America's founding principles, and preserves the blessings of civil and religious liberty. Everything Hillsdale does, from financial aid, 97% of its students receive, to the completely free online course it offers, depends on generous donations, donors actually, who recognize the worth of independence. Not one penny preserves the integrity of a Hillsdale education. Not one penny ensures that Hillsdale can continue to be a beacon of independence for all of its students across America. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Jeff, Houston, Texas, the great KTRH country. Go. Yeah, so I was just listening to your recent uh, dissertation on the tax, uh, the tax bill, and I think it's a great discussion, but if you're going to have this discussion, I think you should be accurate in the things you're saying. So when you talk about them eliminating salt, they're not eliminating it, they're capping it. So, again, that's an important... I believe I said it several times, and I also read from the Wall Street Journal, and you favor uh, capping it. I'm not saying... So I... Let us be accurate where you're coming from. No, let's be accurate about what you're stating. And you're I also... stated exactly... Sir, first of all, we don't know exactly what this is being proposed because you're inaccurate with your opening comments. It's not a bill. You have... It's not a bill, sir. If you heard Paul Ryan this Sunday, he said they're still kicking things around. It's not even a bill. Talking about a 50% rate, and that's a marginal rate. So what did I say about the first dollar earned, sir? Accurate. Did you listen to the program accurate. when I started talking now, about it? I know hyperbole so. Hey, pal, shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth. Mr. Producer, did I say you're taxed at 12%, then 25 then 35 then 396 and then we're up to almost 50%? Did I say that, Mr. Producer? Oh, he conveniently missed it. Jeff, are you there? Even enter into How did you miss it, Jeff? And why are you talking over me? Because you don't want to be demonstrated to be a fool. Now, did you hear me say that earlier in the show or not? Yeah, of course not. I specifically said what the Dem what the Republicans want to do is claw it back. I actually said it last week. So people who earn the rich a certain amount of money Individuals, a million, couples between 1.2 and 1.6 million. They get the 12% rate, then they get the 25% rate, depending on whatever income level they decide on eventually. Those dollars kick in as they do. And then, when you hit, when you're very successful, then it kicks in at almost 50%. I said exactly what he said I didn't say. That's why I got sick of this guy. And he kept talking over me. And he's fighting for tax increases. I just think this whole thing is a disaster. Absolutely a disaster. Absolutely a disaster. 
Charles, Concord, North Carolina, the great WSPC. Go. Hello, Mark. Uh, just want to let you know I, I got invited to a town hall meeting over the phone late this afternoon. Yes, sir. It was our local congressman, you know, and he was really touting this plan, this tax plan, and, and I was able to, you know, bring up a couple of points, you know, about the class warfare and and the fact that it would hurt probably small businesses and all, but, but he was just saying, you know, that everybody was going to get taxed. I, I told him, you know, that everybody across the board should, should be getting a tax, and, and he said, yeah, they, everybody is. But, you no, know, we know, you and I both know that's not true. But anyway. But, he, but look he, how they lie. Look how these Republicans are. Look how that caller lies. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to millions and millions of people. The thing is recorded. We even put it on my website when I'm done. He says, why are you misleading the people? Why don't you tell them the first dollar is not at 50%? I did say that. Yes, sir. <laughs> but anyway, and Mark, I was going to mention, too, I, I know you and I both, I think, would feel the same way about our president. We support him when, when he does good things. But it really makes it difficult in situations like this when we, we really need somebody to just really to stand, you know, stand up to the plate, you know. Charles, Charles, America comes first. No politician comes before the country. No politician comes before the people. I support the president when I can because he's turned out to be a very conservative president. I'm going to talk about that later in the show. This bill is not a conservative bill. It is not a tax-cutting bill for a whole lot, millions and millions of Americans. And what we're going to get is callers like that one guy are going to say, you know, you're just there. You're not this and you're not that. I know exactly what I'm talking about, or I wouldn't even bring it up. Yeah, when I was on that call, there was about 3,000 people, he said, at that at that time. It could have been more later on, I don't know. But but anyway, he, he acted like he, did, he didn't like it too much when I mentioned something about the class warfare, you know. And he said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so... What's his name? Just want to let you know about it. What, what is, who was the congressman? Do you remember? Richard Hudson. Richard Hudson. Hudson. He, he, it's a district right just near Charlotte and covers Charlotte. Well, does he even know what, what, it's not even a bill. Does he even know what's being proposed by his party? I don't think he does, really. But, I mean, I noticed, you know, he seemed to toe the line with the leadership just about every time, you know, something major like this comes of up. Of course. Yeah. Yep. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. All right. We will continue here. Let's see here. I'm looking at this. Looking at this. Just looking at news as it comes in here. Let's take another call here. Thomas, Miami, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark. How are you? Okay. Um, <laughs> patiently waited my way through some KFC for you. I just wanted to call as a, number one, as a dad of a little girl, a 10-year-old little girl, and I'm a country boy that moved down here to Florida. We've, I've been hunting all my life. My whole family hunts. We all have served in the military at some point. And I can tell you, the gun thing bothers us all. We've got three members, including my dad, who are, <clears throat> you know, classified as the government as 100% disabled for PTSD. And yet the joke that we kind of all sit around kind of uh, darkly joking about at Thanksgiving is that any of them can go out and buy guns, yet the government's got them classified as cuckoo for toker puffs. And it's right, right, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not true. If a court has adjudicated that somebody has, and I forget what the definition is, I don't have it in front of me, 
anyway, a particular mental illness, they are not free to purchase a gun. I can tell you that I can tell you that these three gentlemen are, reser- uh, are receiving 100% disability from the government. They're all Met- disability for what? Well, PTSD, post traumatic. That mm-hmm. most of your most of your Vietnam guys that are still around and getting uh, 100. No, most most of them are not, because I deal with them all the time. But there are some who are. Why are these men dangerous to society? The three you know, including your father? Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. So what's but the what problem? Is, well, as far as the computer knows that they are, the computer, you know, the government's looking No, 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 I'm, I'm confused. You guys. said, can they get a gun or can't they get a gun? Oh, they can. They can. Okay, no and you're telling me they're not dangerous? I'm telling you I know that because I personally know these people. Okay. But I can tell you, uh, the VA up in... Tell me, how many mass shootings have been done by Vietnam veterans? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the sharing of information is what I'm talking about here. I, I think it, I'm, believe me, <laughs> I'm all for veterans, I'm all for guns. But No, but I'm trying to figure out your point. How many mass murders have been done by Vietnam veterans? Oh, that I couldn't tell you. Let alone Vietnam veterans who are 100% disabled mentally. Going postal, right? That, that, I think zero. What? Thanks for your call. I don't get that call at all. But the call screener, Mr. Call Screener, said he, he disagreed with me that we need more gun laws. I'm thinking, for what? When you apply the facts, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't make sense. People have throw out their ideas for, for surrendering their liberty left and right because they want answers. They want things fixed. Well, we can't fix evil. If an evil human being wants to harm a whole bunch of wonderful people, maybe we can find them, maybe we can stop them. But there's no law that's going to fix it. Murder is a capital offense. Murder is a capital offense. If you're going to shoot 58 or 59 people, you're going to shoot or kill 58 or 59 people, or kill 27 people, as just happened in these, these horrific events. I'm just trying to figure out the rationality behind this. Sean, Fort Mahovi, where, where are you, Sean? This isn't spelled Fort, right. Fort Mahavi. Mahavi, Arizona. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah, I'm on the tri-state. I'm right near Laughlin. Okay. So I've talked, to, I've talked to you before. Hey, Marky, how you doing, man? You doing okay. good? Yes, very well. Thank you. So I'm actually an NRA lifetime member. So am I. And so I actually belong to a couple shooting clubs with NRA instructors, front side and then tri-state. Um, I've built three of my ARs. I recustomize a Bushmaster that I have. And I have a couple other guns. And I believe I had to go through a background check. But there is some things that I will, I'm willing to give up, uh, and here in the state of Arizona. By, by the way, I do love it when people say, I'm willing to give up. You mean all of us should give up. And no. you're willing to give it up on our behalf. No. Um, well, what do you mean? This, this bothers me, but there is, there is a law here in the state of Arizona where I can sell a gun without anybody having a background check. Sir, that's been going on for decades. They call it the gun show loophole. And the fact of the matter is, and <clears throat> we've talked about this, unfortunately, to talk about it in the Las Vegas situation. Less than one-tenth of one percent 
of the murders that take place in this country every year as a result of that so-called loophole, sir. You aware of that? I am aware of it. But so this so-called loophole would have almost no effect. I know. It's I a know. shiny object. And, you know, I, I live an hour from Vegas. So when I saw that, I knew my friends, my neighbors, my cohorts. I knew that but they... that's not how he got his gun. His brother didn't sell it to him. The guy had dozens of weapons. Yeah, he did. He did. So this, this is no loophole. This is a non-issue. Well, and none of these mass murders resulted from a relative selling a gun to a relative or a stranger. None of that happened. But there's that one person. If we can just, you know, I... Sir, sir, please. So let me tell you. If we can present, prevent one percent, it's not even one percent. It's less than one-tenth of one percent. Do you understand what kind of society you're talking about? There's more, Do you feel the I mean, same way with automobiles? Yeah. Well, well I don't. You know, Thanks for your call. Uh, yeah. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm very proud to partner with Kyle Cox, the owner of Blindster.com. I love his entrepreneurial spirit. I love letting you know about the best quality products from independent businesses like Blindster.com. And by the way, that's BlindsTER.com. Blindster.com. It's the only company I endorse for custom blind shades and shutters. Why? Because I I know you like to do things yourself and you want to save money. Kyle showed how to measure for and install custom-made high-quality blinds myself, and I saved a bundle in the process. Kyle has a personal fitter-free guarantee, too. If for any reason your blinds don't fit, even if you messed up, Blindster will make the new sizes needed for free. You only pay shipping. And get this, when you enter promo code MARK at checkout, you'll get 40% off your entire order every time. Why not try buying treatments for one window today and see how easy it is? Then you can do the rest of the room. I know you'll come back for more, just like I did. It's blindster.com, blindster.com, promo code MARK. Well, we've had a number of interesting calls. Not. Jose, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Well, Mark, I wanted to say that uh, contrary to Jeff in Houston, uh, as a Texan, I'm a great admirer of yours for your informed factual, critical thought that you give and provide to us. So, Thank you, sir. We wanted to touch upon a point that you brought up about the shooting in Texas, which was a highly restrictive measure against licensed concealed carry holders, which is what's called the 30-odd-6 sign, which means that anybody that has a business or an organization can post a sign that now says I am breaking the law as a concealed carry holder that's licensed if I come into their premises. And many, many churches in Texas have that sign posted. I wasn't able to confirm if this church had it. But these madmen are not, they're not, they may be crazy, but they're not idiots. Mm -hmm. And it's a case of where they know and see these things and realize that these areas are now very easy targets for them. So to create may- mayhem, whereas the law-abiding citizen like myself and yourself are restricted 
from being able to protect ourselves and our loved ones from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I could uh, have addressed uh, Governor Abbott to redouble his efforts to make sure that that is actually taken off the books, though. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great point. All right, Jose, appreciate your call, sir. Let us continue. Vincent, Middleton, Idaho, Sirius Satellite, how are you, sir? Good, how are you doing, man? Okay. Well, I basically just want to call. I've just been listening to you for the last couple nights, and just the people that come on here, are just you just want to reach to the phone and just choke them. You know, everybody's <laughs> so blindsided to what's really happening with our government, and they're just wanting their handouts, and they're not mad. They're mad because they're not going to get them anymore. But it makes us Americans that actually work for a living look really bad. You know that, and then the gun. And, and you know what? You make a great point. You know the people who get the handouts. They're not affected at all by any of this. They're going to continue to get handouts while the rest of us, or a lot of us, I should say, are going to see taxes increase despite them lowering the rates because they think we're stupid and we can't figure this out. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. And, and they don't understand how, you know, when we're talking about it, we're, we're, not, we're not criticizing. We're saying we're afraid. I mean, this is more of a, uh, you know, our, my paycheck's going to be a lot smaller than it should be because I'm paying for everybody else, and it seems like it's, a joke that they can go to Walmart and buy a steak and I have to buy a ramen noodle and I still work for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a joke. And then, you know, we get all this gun violence. You know, every the reason why this Second Amendment is there for is for our protection. It's not so you can, you know, of course you can open carry a gun, but do you have to be an idiot and walk around town with an AR-15? You know, mm-hmm. people get afraid of that kind of stuff, and it makes a bad name for us constitutional people that actually mm-hmm. are trying to abide by the law. And this doesn't make sense. All right, sir. Appreciate your call. Charlie Queens, the great WABC. One minute. Let's slip you in. Go. Yeah, Mark. How you doing? Okay. Go, sir. Please. I've been listening to you for 10 years. I'm a conservative Republican. Thank you. Conservative first. But what you're saying about the taxes is completely true. Most people probably don't believe it. But I'm a small business owner. And basically, if you remove the city and the state tax in New York City, that represents an increase of $80,000 onto my federal income tax. So in the end, I'm going to pay more taxes than I'm paying now. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when they get their tax bill. If this stuff goes through, they're going to go, wait a minute. Didn't they say they were cutting my taxes? Didn't that guy call Mark Levin and say he's got it all wrong? Wait a minute. What's going on here? I'm sorry. That's what's coming. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I think the one of the most outrageous frauds as a journalist is this Jim Acosta on CNN. He's got a screw loose, and he's a big lefty. There's really no way you could call him a journalist, quite frankly. 
But he turns this this mass murder in this this town in Texas into an anti-Trump screed. And he's on CNN. Cut five, go. That he is very, very likely to be asked this question, uh, just when is a good time, just when is the right time uh, for the president to take on this issue? Or is he content, uh, as as others uh, who support uh, the Second Amendment uh, with very little restrictions, are, are they content uh, with the status quo? Is this just the way it's going to be? Uh, and we're just going to have to deal as a country with these mass shootings uh, exploding every month or so uh, and, and having to deal with the consequences is that is that the uh, the status quo is that the new normal uh, that the president is comfortable with is the president comfortable with monthly mass murder ladies and gentlemen he must be because he doesn't support any more gun control laws now this idiot makes this statement yesterday on national tv without even knowing all the facts his hate his venom for trump is so Overwhelming. We now know that the Air Force Base, the Special Investigative Unit at the Air Force Base, uh, where this subhuman barbarian was imprisoned, did not report his conviction to the FBI for their database. And those of you who don't have guns, you got to fill out paperwork to be cleared, in essence. For people who say there's no background checks, there are background checks. And it goes into this database, but the data has to be put into the database. So, is Mr. Acosta going to apologize to the president? Is the president now responsible for every mass murder that takes place because he doesn't join Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi in the hard left and eviscerating the Second Amendment? Will Mr. Acosta now acknowledge that the man who stopped the subhuman barbarian from killing even more people was a former NRA instructor who loaded his rifle, ran out of the house without his shoes on, he had bare feet, and shot him? Is he going to admit that? Does the president get credit for that? I'm just showing you how deranged this guy is, this Jim Acosta. And he's not alone. There's scores of fools like this. But I wanted to point that out. I want to read you something. You've probably heard a little bit of that, this, but I didn't want to drop it. Former President George W. Bush and his father, former President George H.W. Bush, both criticized President Trump in a new book to be released this month, with George W. Bush admitting that despite Trump's political affiliation, he's worried that I will be the last Republican president. That I will be the last Republican president. George H.W. Bush also calls Trump a blowhard in the book. The Last Republicans by Mark K. Updegrove, which was previewed by the New York Times and CNN on Friday. They previewed it because you have two former Republican presidents trashing a current Republican president. They've never previewed any of my books because they can't read them. I don't like, I'm quoting Bush Sr., I don't like him, I don't know much about him, but I know he's a blowhard. And I'm not too excited about him being a leader. He also commented on Trump's ego. Well, this guy doesn't know what it means to be president, the younger Bush said. 
He indicated that a president should not exploit the anger and cite it, but rather come up with ideas to deal with it. Neither man voted for Trump in the last election, and George H.W. Bush confirms in his book, in the book rather, that he voted for Hillary Clinton. George W. Bush said he left the top of his ballot blank and did not vote for Clinton because she has bad judgment. Now, I believe this is worthy of some comment. Number one, George W. Bush thinks he'll be the last president, last Republican president. You know, when the Tea Party rose up, it rose up not just against Obama, but it rose up against the last years of Bush. Massive spending, massive debt. They even proposed a, uh, a nondescript aid to the Supreme Court, and we helped block that. He signed McCain, uh, Feingold. I could go on and on. He was pushing for widespread, broad amnesty. So there were good things about George W. Bush, and there were bad things about George W. Bush. One thing George W. Bush was not, and same with his dad, George H. W. Bush, is they weren't conservatives. They were barely right of center, mostly your basic moderate establishment Republicans, like so many of their staffers, not all of them, but many of them, who've turned out to be never-Trumpers. So the leading never-Trumpers are in the Bush family. Now, by the way, I can understand why they're upset, the way Jeb was treated in the Republican primaries, the way uh, his father was attacked by Trump. Fine. But these words that they use to describe Trump, they've never said anything of this kind about Obama. Obama's a blowhard, too, Mr. Bush. Obama's a blowhard. They said nothing. Exploiting anger and dividing the country, that would be Obama. Why were the Bushes silent about Obama? And yet they trash Trump. There's a lot of people saying it's because he's an outsider. Enough of this outsider stuff. The reason that they trash Trump, I think in part is due to uh, Trump's personality and the way that he speaks. But there's another reason they trash Trump. And it's another reason a lot of the Bush staffers trash Trump. And there's a lot of reason the rhinos trash Trump and the media trash Trump. It's not just because of his personality and the way he, he speaks and tweets. It's because Donald Trump's record thus far is far more conservative than either of the Bush's records have ever been or ever were. So far... Donald Trump, acting on his own, because he's not getting much legislation to sign, has been a very conservative president. Now, if he signs this tax bill, or he supports some ridiculous uh, replace on the repeal of Obamacare, or if he embraces a Bernie Sanders uh, trade and protectionist policy, well, those things will change. He hasn't had an opportunity to do those things yet. So based on his actual actions and actual record, and the way he's conducted his foreign policy, too, <clears throat> traditionally conservative. And there was a short piece in the L.A. Times by Stephen Hayward, who's written about 
Reagan, and also uh, he's a senior resident scholar at the Institute of Governmental Studies at UC Berkeley, of all places. He wrote a piece that, despite the chaos, Trump has managed to push the most conservative agenda in a generation. And what he means is since Reagan. In assessing Trump's prospects, let's keep in mind that Trump's personal approval rating on Election Day was nearly as negative. Last year, Americans voted for someone they didn't much like, reflecting the even greater dislike of Hillary Clinton and the desire for a change in direction of Washington. And change is what we got. In assessing Trump's accomplishments, let's not get too distracted by his unconventional conduct. The hitherto ideologically unmoored man has set in motion an administration arguably more conservative than Ronald Reagan. You know, I, I don't get these comments like that. But if he's going to say the most conservative administration in a generation, well, what generation is he talking about? It's not more conservative than Reagan's, but it's conservative, and that's the good news. That's the good news. So far. So far. He pulled back on his DACA, didn't he? And then he pulled back again from the brink. He was going to push out widespread amnesty, and then he said, no, you know what, you better build a wall. That's thanks to you rising up and saying no. While the Congress controlled by his adopted party remains gridlocked, Trump is rolling back regulations and a number of the Obama administration's most controversial achievements, including the internal structure of Obamacare and the Clean Power Plan. His foreign policy resets look increasingly sure-footed. His judicial nominees are uniformly conservative. It's inconceivable that any of the other leading Republican candidates from the 2016 cycle would have governed as boldly as Trump has. Trump's rhetorical and behavioral recklessness, his government by tweets, still make it hard to discern whether there is a method to his madness or whether he's just going with the populist flow he helped unleash. He has yet to be tested with a serious crisis where showmanship and bluster count for nothing. There's an internal inconsistency in this piece. The title is, Trump has managed to push the most conservative agenda in a generation. And then at the end he talks about the populist flow. Well, you can't be both, in my humble opinion. Conservatism is not about populism. Pure democracy is about populism. Plebiscites are about populism. Referenda are about populism. Um, Directly uh, electing senators as opposed to the constitutional method in the past, that's about populism. Socialism is theoretically at least about populism, as is communism, at least theoretically. We're talking about republicanism, little r republicanism. And whether or not Trump realizes it, or his main surrogates realize it, He's not promoting a nationalist populist agenda. He's promoting a conservative agenda. When you give him kudos for the judges he's nominating, and some of them have been confirmed, Gorsuch has been great. Gorsuch isn't a populist. He's a constitutional conservative, as are all these other nominees that he's putting up, as are all these other nominees. When he's fighting the left on immigration... It's not a populist issue. He's trying to uphold federal law and secure the American border. It's not about populism. It's about preserving the republic and republicanism. The President of the United States is unilaterally undoing 
regulations that Obama unilaterally put in place, which is why he can do these things, because Obama did them first. It's not about populism. Most of the population, most of us don't even know what these regulations are. I happen to know a lot of them because we follow that. But if I asked you to name five of the regulations, you wouldn't know. So that's not about populism. It's about republicanism. Limited government. It's about constitutionalism. Now, let me circle back. Because Trump, in the areas where he has been able to operate, despite a dysfunctional Republican Congress, even worse, in many respects, a progressive Republican Congress, Trump has done almost, in every case, the conservative thing. As I say, even when he was starting to blow it on DACA, he pulled back. And there are other examples of this, too. This is why the establishment can't stand him. This is why the Bush clan can't stand him. This is why McCain can't stand him. This is why Corker and Flake cannot stand him. It's not just because of the way he tweets and speaks and so forth. It's because he's the conservative they never were. And it's about time the people out there pushing their national populism understand and embrace Trump for what he is rather than try and project themselves onto him. Trump has picked up the baton of the Tea Party movement. That's what he's done. The Tea Party movement. That's what he's done. And he's a man who wants to keep his promises. And when he doesn't, he'll come here and I'll talk about it. We always do. But we hammered him hard on DACA and he pulled back. That's a good thing. Even when people are calling here and leave him alone, give him a chance. He needs to hear from us. Now again, I want to make it clear. He's not as conservative as Reagan. But that's okay. He's more conservative than the Bushes ever were. Ever. In my view. And just because he can't articulate it or just because he doesn't articulate it, so be it. But he articulates other things that are that are connecting with the American people. This, I believe, is also why the press hates his guts. Not because he's a nationalist populist. Not because of his tweets but because of what he's doing. If Trump were to immediately push his DACA agenda, push a big tax increase, uh, keep the borders open, do all these other things, the media would love him. They would love him. The Bushies would love him. The Rhinos would love him. They don't love him because he's he's advancing a largely conservative agenda. And as I say... There are times when he doesn't, and we'll speak out about it. But in my in my humble opinion, at least so far in his first year, he's much more solid than either of the Bushes uh, were, which is one of the reasons I believe they're trashing him. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Please explain something to me here. Donna Brazil has a book that's come out. 
She builds up Bernie Sanders. She trashes Hillary Clinton and does a thousand other things. Why do we care? Why do we care if Hillary Clinton sabotaged Bernie Sanders' campaign? Why does that matter to anybody? I mean, it matters to the Democrats. Why does it matter to you or me? And they're going on and on. Yeah, Hillary, look what she did. And they're playing up Brazil's comments over and over and over. This is a woman who leaked debate questions to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Why do I care what she has to say? She's a hardcore leftist. Been around Washington, D.C. forever. And who cares if Hillary Clinton sabotaged Bernie Sanders' campaign? Guy's a communist. Never been a Democrat except when he wanted to run for president. But why are we taking signs on that? I, I don't even get Do you get it, Mr. Producer? Well, they love it. Wow, look at her revelations, everybody. Look at this and look at that. Well, who cares? I don't care. I don't care what Donna Brazil says today, said yesterday, or says tomorrow. I don't care if Hillary Clinton sabotaged Bernie Sanders. It's like Lenin sabotaging Trotsky. Why do I care? It turned out just fine. And yet the Republicans or the broadcasters who are bringing this up, they're like rehabilitating Bernie Sanders. Poor Bernie Sanders. Poor Bernie Sanders was sabotaged by Hillary Clinton. Poor Bernie Sanders, nothing. The guy's a kook. He's a leftist. He's dangerous. Hey, I'm glad she sabotaged him. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? She sabotaged Bernie Sanders, and she sabotaged herself. I think it's the greatest thing. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. You know who stands for the little people? I stand for the little people, and all people. I'm not kidding. Like this tax, this this phony tax proposal. I mean, uh, the president will sign it if he gets it. Then we're going to criticize him. The Republicans are proposing this stuff, at least so far. Then I get people, give them a chance. Give them, if they don't hear from us now, there is no give them a chance. It's not their country. It's your country. It's our country. Zip Recruiter, you know, in need of great talent for your business but short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools, smarter tools. With Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen for the right candidates. Buy them. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting, so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, for you, my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. One more time to try it for free. 
Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I had better things to do, like watching the UFC. And by the way, the UFC was great. Great. GSP was unbelievable. I like Bisbane. I do. But uh, he wasn't going to hold on that title for long. He's a very good fighter, but he's not among the greats. But I do like him. Anyway, that aside. So on Saturday Night Live, this guy, Larry David, he's a writer, he's a comedian, and frankly, he's disgusting. I want you to listen to this clip. It's about a minute 15, if you didn't hear it on Saturday Night Live. Up your volume, really, and just listen to this guy. Cut 10, go. I've always, always been obsessed with women, and I've often wondered, if I'd I'd grown up in Poland... When Hitler came to power and was sent to a concentration camp, would I still be checking out women in the camp? <laughs> I think I would. You know? Listen, I'm laughing. Hey, Shlomo, Shlomo, look at that one over there by Barrett Sate. Oh, my God. Is she gorgeous? Oh, oh I've had my eye on her for weeks. I, I, I've been, I, I'd like to go up and say something to her. Of course, the problem is... There are no good opening lines in a concentration camp. They're laughing. How's it going? They treating you okay? You know, if we ever get out of here, I'd love to take you out for some latkes. You like this? What? What I say? All right, that's enough. You, you folks think this is funny? I don't think any of you think this is funny. This is sick. This isn't humorous. This is sick. And they went it. All the bosses over there at Saturday Night Live let it happen. NBC had no problem with it. I mean, when you think about what took place in these concentration camps, the, the horrific genocide, the torture, the experiments, the rapes, the ovens, the cyanide poisoning, the summary executions, the hangings, the machine gunnings, and on and on and on. Think this is funny? This is humorous? This is sick. What kind of a mind thinks of this? Maybe this guy, he shouldn't be able to buy a gun, I can tell you that. Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, I want to give you this, too, before I get off the air here. From the Hill newspaper, John Solomon, who is a tremendous reporter, real reporter, unlike John Acosta, who is a, uh, who is a uh, well, he's a liberal dressed up as a journalist, dressed up as a human being. Early Comey draft accused Clinton of gross negligence on emails. Now, you know, we've listened to that. You've listened to this program. We've talked about it at great length that the federal statute on the Espionage Act, 18 United States Code 793, we're the ones that dug it up earliest and we're talking about it repeatedly on the air, has as a test gross negligence. That is the the possession of classified information, which is revealed through gross negligence. 
And that would include having a private server, trust me. Here's his story. An early draft of former FBI Director James Comey's statement closing out the Hillary Clinton email case accused the former Secretary of State of having been grossly negligent. There's the language. That's the key. That's the material violation. That's the indictment. In handling classified information, newly reported memos to Congress show. The tough language was changed to the much softer accusation that Clinton had been extremely careless in her handling of classified information, when Comey announced in July 2016 that there would be no charges against her. The change is significant since federal law states that gross negligence is the handling in, in handling the nation's intelligence can be punished criminally with prison time or fines. Spokesman for the FBI and Clinton did not immediately return phone calls or emails seeking comment. The draft, written weeks before the announcement of no charges, was described by multiple sources who saw the document both before and after it was sent to the Senate Judiciary Committee this past weekend. There's evidence to support a conclusion that Senator Clinton, excuse me, Secretary Clinton and others used the email server in a manner that was grossly negligent with respect to the handling of classified information. Reads the statement, one of Comey's earliest drafts, from May 2nd, 2016. The sources who had seen the early draft, who spoke in condition of anonymity, because they were not authorized to speak to the media, said the draft statement was subsequently changed in red line edits on or around June 10 to conclude that the handling of 110 emails containing classified information that were transmitted by Clinton and her aides over her insecure, or it should be unsecured personal email server, was extremely careless. Now, memos show that at least three top FBI officials were involved in helping Comey fashion and edit the statement, including Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. Remember, his wife, big-time Democrat, received over a half a million dollars in support through Virginia Democrat Governor Clinton Bagman McAuliffe's entities, General Counsel of the FBI, James Baker, and Chief of Staff, to Comey, Jim Rebicki. Jim Rebicki. While Comey told Congress last year that he would never have prosecuted Clinton without proof, she intended to violate a law, the editing, and, he, and he specifically said specific intent. He changed it, remember, from gross negligence. The editing of his statement suggests there might have been dissent within the FBI about his decision. Now, who was involved? In changing this. Well, his advisors. His advisors advised him to change it. Apparently among those who assisted him were those people whose names I just gave you. McCabe, Rebicki, and Baker. Now, as a former chief of staff to a former attorney general, Edwin Meese, a magnificent man working for a magnificent president, Ronald Reagan, I have nothing but the greatest respect for the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the thousands and thousands of patriotic men and women who put their lives on the line to protect us, to hunt down real crimes. But I have no respect for senior management. None. None for Comey at the time, Baker, Rebicki, and McCabe, none. And I believe there's a lot of leaking coming out of these guys, or somebody, 
on this whole Russian deal and their willingness to go after Trump and their willingness to be used by the Democrats to go after Trump. And their, their obstructions and, uh, and concealment of information that Congress has asked for, just giving it very reluctantly. It never made sense to me to when, when Comey got up there at the press uh, event, laid out the case for indictment, and then said, oh, by the way, it can't be gross negligence, it's specific intent. Well, of course it can be gross negligence. He rewrote the statute in order to protect Hillary Clinton. Even though Clinton in her own delusional mind, believes that Comey hurt her. Comey helped her because he didn't pull the trigger and recommend an indictment. He protected her. That's the big scam going on here. People, well, he, he tried to take me out. He did that press conference. He protected her. He was always going to give her a pass. We know that now. But even in giving her a pass... Comey and his cohorts, the senior advisors at the FBI, realized they couldn't use the phrase gross negligence because, well, that was the basis for an indictment. So they had to change it to extremely careless. And Comey has a book coming out too, by the way. I wonder if all the Republican hosts and broadcasters are going to promote that one too. Did you hear what Donna Brazile said? I don't care what Donna Brazile said. Who gives a damn? Seriously. Well, Hillary was sabotaging Bernie Sanders. Who cares? I'm glad she sabotaged Bernie Sanders and then sabotaged herself. What's wrong with that? And why do we care anyway? I'll be right back. Mark in. You know, friends, it's hard to believe 2017 is almost over. Thanksgiving's almost here. Time doesn't stand still, so don't waste another minute. Join AMAC right now. AMAC is the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's the leading conservative voice for Americans age 50 and up. And they're resolved to continue their mission to restore America's moral compass, to make America a better place for our children, and to save America from the left. As an, as an AMAC member, you'll also gain access to a variety of exclusive benefits and discounts that will help you save a lot of money. From car insurance and Medicare plans to discounts on hotels and car rentals and more, AMAC is the organization to join. A voice for conservatives in Washington, exceptional benefits. What's not to love about that? So join AMAC right now at www.amac.us. That's www. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Or call AMAC toll-free, 888-262-2006. That's 888-262-2006. The Association of Mature American Citizens, the benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join AMAC today. Dennis, Sanford, Arizona, Sirius Satellite, go. Uh, just love your show. Uh, you are Thank a great you. American, and I just really, really, uh, you, you speak the truth for all of us uh, people that, that care about this country. Mark, when you play that clip of that 
so-called comedian with those that so-called audience laughing, they have not seen the pictures that I've seen. My dad was a Second World War veteran. He had a brother slaughtered at Malmody, Belgium, by Piper, the Germans. Uh, he had another brother killed in the Philippines. And my dad was with Patton when they liberated a concentration camp. And I've seen the photos of that, that concentration camp and those people that were slaughtered by a bunch of sadistic Aryan people that thought they were better than anybody else in this world, and that they made me sick. And these people are just laughing about it. They made me sick. They're... It, it's incredible. It's incredible what passes for humor these days. It really is. These late-night shows are a disgrace. They're pathetic. You've got uh, third-rate comedians... Uh, who get these national platforms, and they're very bad. They're not even funny, even with the 20 writers that they have. And then you have Saturday Night Live to put this clown, Larry David, out there to do concentration camp jokes. I mean, did you ever think it would get lower, Dennis? No, no. It's disgusting. Uh, you know, if they had any relatives that even ex- were in the Army or experienced any of the... the, the and, I, and let me tell you something. This guy is a secular liberal Jew. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. I say this as a Jew. Yeah, this guy thinks it's funny. Yeah. All I can say is it's sick. Yes, it is sick. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it, and you're a very heroic family. God bless, bless you all. Tommy, Waycross, Georgia, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Mr. Mark, first and foremost, our prayers go out to all those that lost a loved one yesterday. And sounds like I need to join AMAC. Uh, so thank you for that little tip during your you ad. Bet. You bet. Um, I just want to say that I uh, am part of a community of about 2,000, and we have a, about a 500-member church. And there is absolutely no way anybody walks into that church and kills more than maybe one or two people uh, before they're shot in the head. Every usher that we have at every door and four strategically placed in the audience uh, are carrying weapons, and your chances of survival as soon as you pull a gun out are slim to none. Mm-hmm. And, frankly, that's the way it ought to be. That's the way every church is going to have to do it. That's the way we're having to do it at our uh, football games down in South Georgia. Um, unfortunately, we're just going to have to allow as many um, God-fearing, gun-toting Americans to uh, carry their uh, weapons on them and, and just cut down on the casualties. Yeah, you're right. All right, man, thank you for your call. Now, this Larry David, nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series, Saturday Night Live, 19... Yeah. Nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writer for a Comedy Series, Seinfeld. He was the big muckety-muck behind Seinfeld. Won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Writer for a Comedy Series for the Seinfeld episode, The Contest. Shared an Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series for Seinfeld with co-creator Jerry Seinfeld. Nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in Television Series, Curb Your Enthusiasm, 020405. Voted by fellow comedians and comedy insiders as number 23 of the greatest comedy stars ever in a poll to select the Comedians Comedian.
Nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series for his role in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Again, a Laura Award for TV Writing Achievement from the Writers Guild of America in 2010. So he's a leftist in good standing. And in my book, he's just that absolute puke. That's all. Anybody whose mind can take them to making Holocaust jokes... Or any, any genocide, for that matter. It's just disgusting. What next? I bet he has a great Rwanda joke ready next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got a big Rwanda joke ready next week. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I salute you, my great audience. I am deeply blessed, and I thank you. Check out Levin TV tonight. I think you're going to like it. It's brand new. And I'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Be well.